0: Hello TTB community. I am Bob Demena, and here with me as always is the very unremitting Elliot Chibli. Unremitting? What is that? It essentially means you're a hard worker. Here, let me find the definition. So never relaxing or slackening. In, in kesen, incessant. Incessant. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: uh, I think
0: is that a compliment? Or is that like a backhanded compliment? Is it like a strength and a weakness? It, well it could yeah it could be a strength and a weakness but in this context it is a compliment it just means you know you're a hard work you're never relaxing you're you're just you're just working (laughs) essentially but in in one regard yeah i guess that could be a negative you don't want to work too hard you don't want to be too unremitting you need to relax a little bit so um i guess you could take it however you'd like maybe sleep on it let it keep you (laughs) up at night (laughs) <laughs> and and figure it out for yourself all right
1: well i'll, I'll take it as a compliment because that's the only way I, that'll maintain a relationship so today's guests are amanda and ryan of the world wanderers podcast they both fell in love with traveling on their first big backpacking trip around the world in 2011 and since then they have traveled all over the world together In our conversation with them we talk about how they took their work online and That enabled them to travel more full-time and more sustainably. We also discuss why they created the World Wanderers.
0: Yeah, and before we get into the podcast, though, I want to briefly run through our marketing and our social media. So the Travelers Blueprint Community Group, private Facebook group building that up, having a lot of fun doing it, if you like the rapid fire questions that we're discussing at the end of each podcast, you actually will have the opportunity to answer some of them for yourself. I have them set to, to pump into the, the community group and it's really interesting to see what our followers are saying. You can subscribe anywhere we, you're listening to this, whether it's through YouTube, you're watching us, hello, or through the podcast, subscribe to that channel. and know that if you go to our website, you can get a free cheat sheet when you sign up for the newsletter, which will allow you to keep up to date on, on a future episodes, past episodes and, and things like that. So, um, the, the other big thing that we have right now that I'm really looking forward to are the video tutorials on how you can become your own travel agent. Elliot has been working unremittingly there we go full circle on (laughs) on finalizing these videos they are going to be beautiful they are going it's it's been really fun working on the yeah i love the to give you a little bit of hindsight they're going to be i don't know how to describe it but like toony right so you're going to follow cartoon version of bob and elliot and have them explain to you how you can be your own travel agent. So the final production, the the final videos are really going to be fun and we'll give you information on how you can actually view them in the future. So I think that's it for me. The other stuff is just you know, you can book tours with us in Philly through Kesler on our website. You can keep up to date with our travel around series where we have the six-person podcast episodes each each month. It's the last Friday of every month, is a new episode. So we have a lot going on. Check out our website if you want more information on us. But today I think we're just gonna go into the podcast. So without further introduction, please give it up for Amanda and Ryan of the World Wanderers. <laughs>
1: Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Start designing your next adventure.
0: Amanda and Ryan, welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint podcast.
2: Thanks so much for having us. We're we're excited excited to be be here with you guys.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I'm excited to talk to you because you have a pretty extensive background in something that Elliot and I Never got to experience, and that's being a digital nomad in your early 20s, uh, maybe earlier. I guess we'll find that out. But uh, what we really want to talk about today is essentially, you know, uh, your lives and how you made the transition into becoming a digital nomad, what steps you took to, to prolong your travels and kind of get an idea of maybe how uh, any of our listeners who might be in the early stages of their travel planning can do it themselves. So, so I guess uh, I mean let's start off with, you know, take us back to the year that you two decided to um, hit the road permanently or, or mm-hmm. for an extended period of time.
2: Yeah, for sure. So it's a bit of a long, kind of windy <laughs> path and, and story, but I think a good place to start is to back up to 2011, and that was our first backpacking trip together. And so this, for context, was right after we graduated. University or college, we'd both finished with business degrees, and we were like, let's take a six-month break before we get, you know, big kid jobs, get corporate jobs, and kind of dive into life. And Ryan and I had both traveled like separately with our families at that point, but that was really like the first time we were on this like big adventure, and we had no responsibilities, and we'd save money, and you know, we finished school, and we just got to go out and kind of have this this gap year, and. It was this really eye-opening experience where we got to see people doing all sorts of stuff around the world. And we got to see all these amazing things and really have this experience of feeling free and not bogged down by, you know, the stresses of day-to-day life. Like the biggest stress is where are we going to sleep tonight? What are we going to eat today? Uh, What are we going to go see? And that was a, a huge privilege to be able to experience that. And after six months, we came back to Canada. We were living in Calgary, Alberta at the time. And we got an apartment and we got, you know, these jobs because we were like super broke at that point. We had no money and we just started working. And I think pretty quick into that, both of us were like, is this it? Like, is this what we're going to do till we retire? We were as 20, 22, 23 at that time. And it very much felt like the complete polar opposite to this experience that we'd had while traveling, traveling was exhilarating and exciting and free. And, you know, these jobs were great on paper and they paid well, but neither of us felt fulfilled and we were like, okay, we got to do something different. And so we decided to go traveling again because that was the thing we knew that gave us freedom. And I'll let Ryan take the story from there.
3: Yeah. So we, um, we worked from 2012, to 2014, just in kind of corporate jobs like young professional type jobs and then in 2014 right at the start and a little bit earlier I suppose we made the decision we were like screw this we're going traveling we'd like <laughs> saved up money we sold all our stuff um, and we really didn't have a plan like we didn't really know what we'd be doing in six months from them I think the uh, the obvious solution was i oh, are probably just gonna do six months of backpacking and then come back and and live again um, but we went to South America and then kind of over time like reconnected with that feeling that we felt the first time we went so feeling like alive feeling excited to wake up every morning and feeling like just like there's so many options so many things you could do and i think for us during that six months we came to the realization that we didn't want to go back to the way that we had been living before even the place we'd been living before we wanted to try to find a way to integrate this like adventure this feeling of you know uh, enriching, fulfilled life that we had traveling with a career. We didn't want to go back and do the thing we did before. So, when we came back to Canada after that, we ended up moving to where we are now, Canmore, Alberta, which is kind of a touristic mountain town, a place where we felt excited about being. And our plan at that time actually was okay, we're going to go spend the summer in Canmore. We're going to get like service jobs uh, and then we're going to get English teaching jobs in China. Uh, we're going to move to China, which never ended up happening. Um, <laughs> But we got back here and really fell in love with it. Like I worked as a barista and then as a cook. Amanda worked at a retail store, a Lululemon store. Mm-hmm. Um, and just a really cool community of people who were in a similar place, like people early to mid-20s uh, from all over Canada, all over the world, who had come here just because they felt like it was a great place to live and, and be um, you know, at that point in your life. And so we were here doing that for...
2: 15 months? A bit over a year. year.
3: Yeah, before uh, a cool opportunity came up for for me to get a job in Atlanta and we moved to the States. Um, But kind of during that period, we'd come to the realization of being, whether it's digital nomad or um, location independent, whatever you want to call it, we're like, okay, we're going to find a way to make money traveling. And we had started our podcast and we were kind of just focusing on learning more about that. Um, and when we moved to Atlanta, that was kind of the start for Amanda of working as a nomad. I had a job in person there that was a temporary contract. And then after that was when we started as nomads. So that was the start of 2016. Um, we flew to Asia and we were like, okay, we're Digital nomads nomad life." <laughs> and so we've been like, we've spent stints places Like we spent six months in Mexico city. We spent six months in Panama, but we haven't really lived anywhere permanently since then. Okay. So
1: what did you do
3: as your job while you were nomading
1: around? Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah, 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 for sure. So for me, it was actually really interesting because so Ryan had this work visa in the States and I didn't have a work visa. So I did actually ask Lululemon to transfer me to a store in Atlanta. And they're like, you're like the bottom of the totem pole here. Like we can't transfer you. You can't get a work visa doing that. And I was like, okay, well crap. And I had been working part-time for a yoga studio and doing, doing management and digital marketing and stuff like that. And so the studio owner and I chatted and I was like, can I stay on? You know, I'm happy to do whatever it takes to make sure it works with time zones and phone numbers and that sort of thing. And I'd worked for him for, I guess, 2 years at that point and he was like yeah like I don't want to lose you and so I went into my stint in Atlanta with a little bit of income coming in from this yoga studio and then you know we had the world Wanders. that was growing we were starting to build that and from there I built out uh, a yoga business I'm a yoga teacher and I work with yoga teachers helping them with their businesses I started a podcast started working with teachers one on one I've slowly built that up to working with other studios and doing a lot with that. But that was kind of the main thing I was doing at that point. And then along the way as well, I did lots of other things to supplement my income. I mean, I've taught English um, through a company called VIP Kid. And I've also worked as a coach for a company called Praxis. I did that for three years. And so there was a lot of like building business, pieces, doing freelance work, doing contract work. I mean, I've done contract website design. I've done lots of contract coaching work and just kind of doing what I needed to do to balance, like bringing the money in and then also continuing to pursue what I was excited about. Because I think what we really figured out on that trip to South America was like, okay, so we could continue working jobs full-time that we don't love, saving all of our money, being really frugal when we're at home, and then spending all of our money on these like six month stints, but that feels like very unsustainable. And I, I turned 25 on that trip and I remember just thinking, like, 25, like, what am I doing with my life? You know, like, I'm just gonna work jobs that I don't love, save money, spend all my money, have no savings. Like, that just doesn't feel like it's sustainable in the long term. It's a
1: quarter life really- crisis. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah, I know for
2: sure. Like, I definitely went through that a hundred percent. And I call it my, like, I took my like life U-turn. Like I was on a certain path on a highway and I was like, F this, I'm done with this. And I took a U turn and went a different direction. And um, yeah, I think we, we just were like, how can we make something sustainable that lets us do the thing we love, which is travel. And then also lets us have a fulfilling career. Cause we realized that we really, for us needed both, you know, just working with no or just traveling with no obligations didn't feel completely fulfilling and being at home working jobs that weren't fulfilling also wasn't serving us it was kind of like how can we find the balance of that yeah. um but ryan has like kind of a different we've done like definitely stuff together with the world wanders but has also a lot of different work that he's done
3: yeah yeah so for me when i so when we were in atlanta i had a job at a nonprofit that was based in atlanta i was doing marketing and operations work there and then During that time, um, we had signed our first, like, legit sponsor for the World Wanderers. So we were like, okay, like, we're going full throttle with this. And while I was in Atlanta, I was also part of a program called Praxis, which Amanda just mentioned a little bit earlier, that helps young people start their careers. Um, And so I had the opportunity to start as a coach right after that. And so Amanda did as well, where we would just work one-on-one with the people going through the program as kind of... Mentors for them, like helping them kind of set what their goals are, talk through problems that they were experiencing um, on the job hunt, and then working in their like first professional jobs, which was a really really cool opportunity. And so when we first did, we did an eight month stint in Asia as we were kind of like figuring out how to be, you know,
0: no productive <laughs>
3: while living in like tiny studio apartments while trying to be tourists in Asia. Um, and was doing that, was doing the world wonders and then was doing freelance podcast editing. For a couple people. And then through that work with that company called Praxis, um, I kind of just built good relationships with everyone there. And then so when we came back to Canada in the summer of 2017, they actually offered me um, a much greater expanded role. Being Canadian, you can actually have like a full-time job, but uh, wink, wink, it was <laughs> like a full-time job.
2: Full-time contract job. Uh, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. So yes. uh, I spent almost two years Working remotely full time so we kept the world wanderers going, of course, um but I was basically you know just working a full time job, but being able to do it from wherever, so we spent a winter in Mexico City, we did some time in Guatemala, we spent some time um in Charleston, South Carolina, where they were based, and did yeah, that kind of life, so that experience of not necessarily like um, entrepreneurial life, but actually more of like a traditional job, just traveling. And then in about just over a year ago, I left that job and went back into freelancing. And so I'm doing freelance podcasting, um, editing, and working on our podcast as well now. So I kind of experienced like all sides of it from the more entrepreneurial side to the freelancing side to um a more traditional employment type side.
0: Yeah, that that's <clears throat> so something that I gathered from what from everything you just said is that uh you know, these you don't need to if you're looking to become a digital nomad, you don't need to automatically think like I need a job in travel there mm-hmm. are There are tons um, of different options for you, and you can now I think with the way that the, the the internet provides us with a digital version of almost anything and so for someone to become a digital nomad, I think it's important to look within yourself you know and understand what your skills are. And then explore those skills in a digital way. How are these skills? How are my skills being offered digitally? And then and then move in that direction, and then bring that with you on the road. Because yeah. I mean, how many different jobs did you guys have, and, and different outlets did you explore that allowed you to travel around the world? And it, you know, I I already I mean I already kind of knew this, but in my early years of trying to understand what it meant to be uh, to be a, a, a digital nomad. I automatically thought like you know they have a job in travel whether it's travel mm-hmm. blogging or travel writing or travel podcasting whatever it is you're know, they're a travel author but that's not the case I mean you could do anything that allows you to sit on the computer and make money you could do it on the road and then and then fund your travels and so everybody has a skill in some way and yeah. and we're fortunate yeah. enough to grow up in a time when you know I think you know our generation is very privileged to grow up in this era when we can we have the opportunity to take a step back and remove ourselves from the t- traditional path of uh, a career where you had to get a, go to a university and get the degree and get the job and go to the office and and repeat until you're dead or you retire. Mm-hmm. Um, we really <laughs> yeah, we really have this we have this incredible opportunity to take our skills and use them as we please and seek a company who operates. You know, if you're living in the United States, they could operate in the UK, but you want to live in Asia, and that's doable. It's, it's so doable now. And uh, yeah, I just find that. to
3: Yeah. Yeah. And we have, uh, we actually do a series on our show of kind of breaking down some of the, you know, people, what are people doing as they've been able to build, build these work and travel lifestyles? Because yeah, like you said, if you go on the internet, you go on YouTube, you kind of think like, I mean, you just, the, the people you encounter being like, you can learn how to live a laptop lifestyle. Like I'm making six figures uh, drop shipping on Amazon. Like you think you have to like sell something dumb on Amazon or you know you make money by selling people this dream of uh, working and traveling and like it's a pyramid scheme basically. Um, but
2: or you have to be like a travel blogger, yeah or yeah a travel or influencer. And,
3: right, right. Instagram people do people do so many things. Like we have a friend who um, she lived in Japan for a long time and so she speaks Japanese well. But she actually yeah, edits scientific papers by Japanese scientists and she makes like really legit salary doing that. But just does it you know uh, on a paper by paper basis while she's traveling. She just reads them and learns about this the science. Uh, and then edits any English errors. We have friends right. who teach English. We have friends who are more entrepreneurial. We have, you know, there's such a huge spectrum of things. And it I think it does kind of speak to like a different trend, regardless of the, you know, the travel side of it. Just even living at home, uh, living at home living at home, if you want to stay where you are, like you can introduce so much more like flexibility and freedom and um, authority over your own life because of the options we have right. like to be not feeling like, Hey, I'm stuck in this job. Someone tells me what to do all day, but like, I can have like four different jobs and I make good money doing that. One's more entrepreneurial, one's more creative and artistic, one's more, um, you know, just there to make money, whatever it is. Right. Yeah. I think it's really, this conversation
1: is really interesting. And I think right now this pandemic is really highlighting how many people have the ability to work from home. And it's also highlighting the people that don't have the ability, like a lot of service jobs, obviously, you're not gonna be able to work from home, but a lot of service jobs are, they're translatable to everywhere across the world. So if you're looking for a job in the service industry, if you speak the language, you can probably do it somewhere else.
0: Right. But I think
1: looking at statistics, there was what, I think a third of Americans, I don't know about Canadians, sorry, are (laughs) able to work from home. And I think that is on the high end, but still that's one out of every three people have the ability to have a digital nomad lifestyle or a better work-life balance. And I'm noticing now that I really like working from home in some regards, but it's it feels more like college and you have the flexibility to front load your work and get it done. And then you have a greater maybe even a four day weekend. Mm -hmm. And then you just get back to doing your work. As long as it gets done, you're fine.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And everyone's, everyone's job's a little bit different, but yeah, I mean, there's obviously a lot of like crappy things that are coming out of this pandemic, especially as travelers. But I think the silver lining is that more people are getting this experience of working from home because I mean, we've been working like pretty hard to try to debunk this idea that you have to be an Instagram influencer or a travel blogger to be able to work and travel. Like if you have the dream of working and traveling, but you're passionate about something that's not related to the travel industry, I think that for a lot of people and not everyone, of course, um, but for a lot of people, you know, it is possible to maybe pitch to your boss about working from home. And hopefully, you know, there's a lot of people who kind of see these opportunities more, maybe more bosses that are open to it now. And I think it'll go both ways where like, there's going to be a lot of companies that are like, okay, this has been like the roughest couple of months. Like we need you guys back in the office. But I think there will be a lot of places that realize, oh, wow, we actually don't need people in the office.
3: We don't need to pay for this extremely expensive office space in yeah. the city, yeah. right? Like it's such a huge expense that, for so many companies. My company's
0: literally talking about that right now. We rent an, an office in Manhattan. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's probably crazy incredibly expensive um, and now it hasn't been occupied for three or four months and we have had business business as usual. Mm-hmm. If I was yeah. the owner, I'd be contemplating whether or not that, that property's worth it. But I mean, so, so for someone, you know, to, to be able to work digitally, if there, if there were a lot of ways to do this before coronavirus, there are even more now yeah. because mm-hmm. the companies that did not have that uh, to offer have now figured out ways to offer it. And yeah. we're only going to see that expand, um, and, and you know I think it was Facebook actually that I saw started to have um, opportunities that allowed people to work from anywhere in the world, so they're, they're starting to expand who they hire, so you don't need to be living in Silicon Valley anymore to get a job at Facebook. I believe Which it's is just good Facebook. because it's so expensive. Right. So, yeah, they, they, you know, yeah. if you have the skills and you have what it takes and you're qualified to work at Facebook and you're living in Florida or Alberta or the UK or Italy, mm-hmm. and, and you send in your resume, you can get the job. And that's so incredible. That's, that's yeah. And that is that is absolutely 100% where the world is going. It's only going to be easier to be a digital nomad over the next five, 10 years. Bob,
1: if there's anything that you and I have learned from this pandemic, minus...
0: The meetings, the in-person meetings that some of us have to have. You've worked from home for three months. I've worked from home. Yeah, I have not been in my office uh, since March.
2: Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. A long time. And
1: you're still gainfully employed. Like your gainfully hours aren't employed. reduced.
0: My and my yeah no my workload has uh, remained the same. We've remained. We were fortunate enough to be just as busy as we were before this all happened. We've only worked from home, and so uh, yeah. I mean, it proves that it can be done it has been done and
3: yeah I think one thing that that's kind of like a one of the like big secrets out of it is like even if you don't like travel like living in Canada in the U.S. and most places um, in Europe is so expensive Um, and like if you can have a stable job like we lived in Mexico City while I had effectively full-time work working for a u.s company and that's like you get like a double raise essentially wow. like if you're like hey yeah. hey like i don't want to travel but like maybe you want to learn spanish you could just move to guadalajara or move to mexico city get rid of your expensive uh, house in the states that you're paying rent on uh, move there rents less than half the price foods like a quarter of the price um and better if probably. You just save a ton yeah, of money. So like, you exactly. just like save a ton of money doing that. Yeah, yeah so and we anymore. had
2: like, we had memberships at a WeWork when we lived in Mexico City. I mean, we lived in a beautiful one-bedroom apartment in one of the best neighborhoods, in my opinion, in Mexico City. We were able to eat out pretty much every day for way less than we pay for groceries in Canada. And the food is amazing. And we had memberships to a beautiful WeWork. And I mean, when I think about like, the things that I value in life, like that's the really cool experience that we were able to have. And we had that making like not very much money. (laughs) Like we were not like, we're not sitting over here like, Oh, we're just like rolling in our dollar bills. Like we were working hard to, you know, grow what we were doing and, and that, that sort of thing. Like we, we weren't making like, like we were making good money, but not like you might think, oh, you need to be rich to do that is what I'm trying to right, communicate. Right, you don't. Right, it's yeah. actually like the opposite way around. If you're trying to build a business or grow up your freelance work, like going to a place like Mexico is great because you can live really well. It's super affordable. You have access to great um great what's the word I'm looking for? Amenities. Amenities, yeah. yeah like like we work and that sort of thing. Yeah. And right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of like kind of the things that people don't think about.
0: That's a great this point. Is I mean, it's so
1: I, funny because my yeah. wife and I were talking about this literally two nights ago and we were talking because my wife and I have been together for uh, coming up on 11 years and we went all through college together. And then she went to grad school for two years here in Hershey. And we never, I think we each would have liked to do a a break from like between school and you know real job but while she was in grad school I was working my real job and then after grad school she got a job pretty much immediately you know six years of schooling leaves you with a lot of debt and we were talking about how it would have been really nice to do those to do that kind of vagabonding and trying to work while doing it but the point that you just made that if you are living in a cheaper area like southeast asia is one of the places that i've heard a
3: lot of digital nomads start at because it is so chiang much mai. cheaper yeah yeah, yeah we uh, when we, we went to chiang mai um probably we went singapore philippines Mala-
2: no malaysia malaysia chiang mai yeah
3: um yeah so we get to chiang mai we've got like an airbnb i think we paid like nine hundred Canadian dollars for it.
2: Yes, yeah, like five hundred. So we're we're, like, a suite. Month, we're like a We're like set month. up.
3: We set up. We got like this like nice apartment, and we we have a friend who we become a lot closer with since then. And he's like, "Oh my god, like you guys are getting ripped off. I pay. What did Nathan pay first place? It's like three hundred. Three hundred. It's like an apartment. I pay like three hundred dollars for. It.
2: We were like, <laughs> what? We're paying like five hundred, and we were
0: like, this is cheap.
1: And that's for a month. Like that's equivalent to uh, you know, average rent in the U.S.
3: Yeah. Like you can like, so if you have, I, I've, it's probably changed a bit since then this is three years ago at this point, And obviously it's, you know, an area that's growing like crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could live well there if you made a thousand dollars a month, um, which is like, that's below the poverty line. One of the other kind of side benefits of lowering your income like that is as well, you lower your tax burden significantly. Um, But yeah, if you made like 1500 bucks a month there, like you're cruising. And then that's the type of thing where you can, work a little bit less in a way that requires your focus to be on making money and work more on something that maybe requires more time but isn't as valuable it's like maybe you have a startup idea maybe you want to start a career as a freelancer but you don't have the skills yet you can like do something like I don't know teach English or do the job you don't like doing to make money to focus on what you want to build your career in
0: Mm -hmm.
1: yeah and the other side of our conversation a few nights ago was There's always this stigma that if you're doing this digital nomad lifestyle and you're roaming around the world in your 20s, making just enough money to survive in the place you're living, that you're not saving for your future when you're not able to work or when you're sick. And all of the points that we've just made are pointing towards the fact that you can save for retirement, that you can save money for a rainy day fund.
0: Yeah. I mean, Elliot, I mean, so I live in the New Jersey area, New Jersey, New York, on average, I think it's maybe with the exception of Southern California has the highest average salary of anywhere in the United States. Now, because I also live here doesn't make me rich at all. It, it, it yeah. all averages out. Right. So it, although my, my, my salary is high compared to someone who lives in like, you know, uh, you know, Georgia, like rural Georgia, or rural Alabama. Um, mm-hmm. it doesn't get me very far here. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you were able to nail a job in Manhattan and work digitally with them and live in Asia, I, I can only imagine what a Manhattan salary would be like in in Chiang Mai. Well, I think you yeah, also have this like, argument
1: yeah. that if you're working for these companies that expect you to expect to pay you a location salary, like that office in Manhattan and they expect you to live in Manhattan and work at that office but now you're working digitally you may be able to out compete other people that are vying for that same job by asking for a lower salary ooh
0: mm-hmm. wow wow yeah and incredible. you could
2: probably still i mean i think like mexico city is a great example because it's like this really amazing city where you can have everything you need and honestly like i feel like it has all the same amenities virtually as any a major American city. Like you could have a co-working space. I think we paid a hundred bucks a month for our co-working space. Our apartment was eight hundred US a month, which like my language teacher, my Spanish language teacher lives just outside of Mexico City. He thought that was like an absurd amount of money that we were paying. But like again, like that's like living like right off Times Square type thing. Like it's like living in like the coolest area in New York. Like you would never find rent for that amount. Like a nice one bedroom apartment in a new building for that that amount of money. And it's just like crazy to think about if you can get your expenses down to like one thousand US dollars a month and then you're making, you know, I don't know, eighty thousand dollars a year, like you can definitely save. You can definitely have the opportunity to work on projects. You can definitely like give, you know, your children maybe a better life and give them more opportunities. So I think that, you know, kind of thinking about how we can take our work online and not only have these experiences, but also have these like really cool opportunities is, is an interesting way to think about it.
1: Yeah. I'm even thinking for teachers that do not work over the summer's for example, my dad and my stepmom are both professors, and they have actually been working over the summers to get supplemental income. But if they don't, that's four months out of the year that they are not getting paid, that they are working or that they are paying for their mortgage for all of these other car stuff, utilities. And if they you know, were living in Mexico City or Chiang Mai, they'd be paying half that and then be able to travel that whole time.
2: Yeah. Yeah, And I mean, if you can like rent out your house too, I mean, that's just another thing. Like we have a friend who owns a property in Outer Banks in North Carolina, but she lives most of the year in Sayulita in Mexico. And it's super affordable to live in Sayulita and live in Mexico. And, you know, she has been able to build her work online. And then she also teaches yoga and, and performs in Mexico. And she rents her Airbnb. She's turned it into like a cute little, you know, two story, two studio apartments. And she has, you know, a cleaner and a manager that help her with all of that. And that's part of how she pays her mortgage and supplements her income. And then she can just book it off when she wants to go home and visit. And I think that that that's not something we've personally done. We don't We don't own our own place. But I think that if you do thinking about how you could potentially rent it out or do a house swap or something like that is a way also to, I guess, just kind of release your burden a little bit because I get it. Like if your mortgage is 1500 bucks a month and, you know, maybe you're still getting paid, but you have time off, it can still feel a bit challenging and stressful to go away and spend money on
0: travel. Yeah. This is just amazing to me because prior to this, the vagabond had to go to Chiang Mai and get a job as a barista or, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you were, you were, you were making whatever the local salary offered. you. It's just so incredible. Which is
2: challenging. <laughs> right. Yes. Right. Which
0: makes it, I mean, that's like true backpacking, you know, to the, the that, that's incredibly hard to do. And I don't think a lot of people um would be willing to do it. And I don't think that's why a lot of people, as many people did it back then as you see digital mm-hmm. nomads today.
1: Yeah. One of our early, early guests was one of Bob's friends, and she is a realtor. And as a realtor, you still have to do most of your work in the place you're living, but she was still able to make calls. But if you actually owned a few small apartments, if you if you saved up enough money in your early 20s, you didn't buy anything, you were extremely frugal, you could technically... But purchase some real estate, run it out, have a managing company, and that is your income to sustain you.
2: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. That's definitely a way that you could, you know, travel and maybe not work or travel and do right. minimal work and that sort of thing. And I think that there's a lot of options for this type of thing. Like, I hope Absolutely. that what listeners take away from this is like maybe expanding their horizons and their mindsets around looking at like you know, getting out of the mindset of like, oh, it would be so cool to live that life. It'd be so cool to do that, but I can't to maybe looking at ways that they can, because I think more and more, and like we said, you know, even with this pandemic, even more, there's opportunities to do things online. And I think, you know, we've been all over the world and there's definitely places that are remote that are would be very challenging to base yourselves in if you need good internet. But for the most place, like for the most part, most major cities we've been to in, you know, Europe, asia latin america have good enough amenities and internet that you can right. you can continue running your stuff and there's there's challenges for sure like the internet company we had in panama would just randomly cut out sometimes and that makes it like frustrating but overall like our internet was pretty much as good as it is here in canada
0: for sure uh, yeah even getting onto like one extreme you know what we saw with this pandemic was uh, doctors medically trained doctors and or general practice doctors who are then doing, making their appointments online over Zoom. Um, because if it's just a general appointment, there's not a whole lot of physical contact needed. It's, you know, more, more of a catch up. How are you type of thing? I mean, if you're, if you, if your passion is to be in the medical field and you have an equal passion to travel, exploring this route, um, to do both would be pretty interesting to do. And you could perform these checkups online. I mean I I'm by no I, I don't know the details of it or anything, but it's just it, it doesn't seem like even the the traditional digital nomad jobs that we kind of covered that you guys did because you did it more early on, mm-hmm. we've even expanded beyond that. It's just really it's really cool. To see yeah, like
1: that. I wanna I wanna jump back for a quick second because to the internet conversation because mm. now that it's 2020, we have as a society developed technology that we can get internet literally anywhere via satellites, and they're they're not that expensive, and they're usually a one time cost for the actual hardware, and then I think you pay a fee for the monthly. It's kind of like Verizon's uh, MyFi but. Those tether off of existing towers. This would tether off of a satellite, Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: you could get solid internet anywhere in the world in the middle of the
3: ocean.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could like I've
3: heard that the that, um, like you can get good speeds like down and up, but the because it's traveling so far that the ping is always like there's always quite a high latency, which makes Uh, like doing certain things that require your live presence can make it a challenge i've heard i haven't actually used it but like we know a lot of people who do english teaching um and what's really important there and not you you can work that on like a really low speed um as long as you have good ping um and which so like if you doing a satellite sometimes it could be a really latent laggy call yeah yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah and i think it's really like with the internet you really have to look at what you do because we have i mean we have friends who Travel with their kids, and he does. He'll take like contract positions that require him to be like pretty online. But then, um, you know, she works as a consultant for Beauty Counter, and she's built her business up enough that she, like, they were on a cruise for 77 77. days that went from Florida to Florida around the tip of. South America. And they were able to, she was able to keep her business running. She didn't have to put on pause, anything like that. And I mean, cruise line internet is really shoddy, really sketchy. I mean, when you're in like (laughs) en route to Antarctica, you're not getting good internet, but because, you know, she doesn't need to be on calls and doing video chats and stuff like that. She was able to work it fine. So I think part of it's like knowing what you need with internet. And then you can kind of plan accordingly where it's like, you know maybe for us if we were going to do something like that we would have to maybe like batch podcast interviews and and yeah. prep accordingly yeah and i think two right.
3: people have this site like, like built an assumption that like infrastructure is better in like i don't know the us canada europe um but often not the case like malaysia we had like some of the most consistent fastest wi-fi speeds ever like a lot of times when we were back in canada our wi-fi is actually worse Or, like, if you live in an apartment building that is, like, exclusive to Comcast in the States, um, like, there's a good chance that your Wi-Fi is going to be way more expensive and way worse than, like, like if you're in Romania, where they have the fastest internet in the world, Mm -hmm. or anywhere in Thailand, or, you know, so many places in Asia have, like, incredible affordable internet, Um, so many places around the world. It's kind of funny working online, people have this tendency to, like, blame the person who's out of the country for like <laughs> oh the connection's breaking like is your wi-fi good and i'm like i have been to the office i know the office wi-fi is a million times worse than my mexican wi-fi um, <laughs> or, or wherever we it's need like it.
2: it's the constant conversation with my parents and we stayed with my parents for three weeks when we got back from panama during this pandemic their internet sucks like they live they have a nice house you know, they have nice facilities and amenities and infrastructure and their internet is super bad. Like there's parts of their house where you just basically don't get wifi, but it's funny because regardless of where I've been in the world, they're like, Oh, your internet's breaking up. And I'm like, I'm at a, we work in Mexico city. Like my internet is amazing. Like this is not me. It's you. <laughs>
1: <sighs> yeah. I, I just have to back up for a
3: second. Why does Romania have the fastest internet in the world? So I'm not an expert on this, but I believe it's due to it not being heavily regulated. So um, communications regulations in so many countries like create um, essentially oligopolies, like that's what we have in Canada, where you have all these crazy rules on ownership of communications organizations. Um, And so essentially there's a couple companies that they've got an oligopoly, they charge extremely high prices and they don't upgrade their services because they're not competing with anyone versus I believe that I'm not sure the specifics of it. Um, it's just more of a free market. People can, you know, if you're like, hey, I want to start an internet company, you just do it.
1: Okay. Huh. I, I did a quick Wikipedia search just to see <laughs> what was going on. And I there's so much information and I don't really understand all of it. But I do understand that there are 600, nearly 700 providers
3: for different types of internet yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so Ah. what you find traveling it's interesting because like you know wi-fi and internet technology it's an area that's typically regulated by the government and so some countries have just like shot themselves in both feet and so you'll like show up in somewhere like hey the internet sucks everywhere here like um i think it's changing in panama but there's a company that has kind of a privileged position. Uh, I'll just call it, yeah, well, Cableanda, they suck. They're awful. (laughs) If you go on Twitter and search Cableanda, people are like just yelling at them all the time um, because they don't allow, you know, any foreign competition. Um, But then other countries where they're like, hey, you know, there's nothing different between an internet company and like a beverage company. Like, come on and do business with us. Mm -hmm. Then you have amazing options that are so much more affordable than they are in in another country. So that seems like a big to uh to prioritize your travels around. Yeah, Yeah, especially too like for us, we stay most of the year in Airbnbs. Um and so depending on what we're doing, Mm -hmm. you gotta you gotta be on top of that. Like if we're traveling to a country where like sometimes you're traveling and you just know like hey everywhere here has good internet. Um, But if like when we were in Asia, for example, like going to the Philippines, there's quite bad internet a lot of places, uh some places in Mexico. So we're always checking to see like if we're staying at a hotel, if there are any reviews about the Wi-Fi, or if we're at an Airbnb, message the host and be like, "Hey, can you do this speed test uh, and send us a screenshot of it um, to make sure that we're going to be good to go when we're there." Yeah, there's Smart. an app
2: you can get it on your phone called Speed Test, or you can just do speedtest.net. That's like one of our most used resources, like something that we do. I mean, even we just moved into this apartment that we're in here in Canmore, and We moved in May 1st. So, just at the time of recording, you know, about a month ago. And one of the first things that we did was speed test just to make sure does the internet work consistently in all areas of the apartment? You know, how fast is it? Because it's something that sometimes we just have to plan for depending on, you know, things. So, you definitely have to do your due diligence if you're going to be working and traveling when it comes to internet. And, you know, like when we, moved to Mexico city or when we spent time in Guadalajara, you know, we looked at a, Airbnbs and apartments that were near to co-working spaces. And we found co-working spaces that we could work at. And part of that's because, you know, the internet in general, there is, can be quite shaky. And if we're not renting our own place for long-term, we're not going to be able to upgrade the internet. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's just little things that you kind of have to pay attention to that you don't have to pay attention to necessarily as a backpacker. I mean, when we backpacked, it was just like, we showed up somewhere with bad Wi Fi. It's like, maybe I cancel my Facetime calls with you know my two best friends and my parents, like, and I'm like, oh, I have to do it in the next city because it's not good enough here. Versus, you know, that's going to be very detrimental if you're like, oh, hey, boss, like, uh, sorry, this is the last minute, but I actually can't work today because I have crap internet here in Bolivia. You know, you can't yeah, right. do that when you're working. You have to be more prepared.
0: Right. Yeah. So depending on your job, dro- on your job as a digital nomad, it might allow you to get to a major city you know let's say chiang mai for example and you can you can essentially still be able to work digitally use chiang mai as a satellite location and then when you do get time off it's when you explore the rural parts of thailand or you know you venture into maybe a cambodia that might be a little bit more rural something like that but you're you know the the trouble of getting there has already been you've already went through it and now you're now you're there so yeah yeah, that's that's, the
3: way we used. In Mexico City for us it was like a hub city. Um, okay. It's a place we really love and love going back to now. But uh, Mexico has a number of domestic, afford at least they used to, but hopefully they'll still be the case after the pandemic, um, and cheap domestic air carriers. And so we were, you know, we, we got a co working space. So it was like going to the office. We treated it like a job. Sometimes we'd leave on a Thursday, sometimes we'd leave on a Friday, but at least a couple weekends a month, we were. Taking flights to different cities, taking buses to different cities, using it as a kind of like a hub and a wheel approach to to traveling instead of right. I don't know, just always adventuring.
0: Yeah, right, right, right. It, it seems uh, more sustainable to do it that way too. You know, to to yeah. feel because it is important. It feels good to be able to come home and kind of have that sense of uh, home and you know, yeah, that, that, yeah, being comfortable. Mm-hmm. And like working,
2: yeah, and working, working's tiring. Like it's a lot mentally. It can be a lot physically, emotionally. Like all those types of things. And we found like one of the biggest things we learned personally when we were in Asia was that we preferred to have more time in a place. So when we started our nomad adventure, like Ryan said, we went to Singapore and we're like, oh, a week in Singapore will be plenty because you know previously as backpackers we'd spent maybe like three nights in a place that was easier average unless it was like we were doing something special there, like carnival or. Spanish lessons or something like that. And we learned very quickly like a week was pretty intense if you're trying to work like 40 of those hours essentially and then explore. It puts a lot of pressure on, okay, it's 5 p.m. Like we need to go get food. We need to go see some stuff. You know, you don't really have that time to just decompress on the weekends. And I mean, we really do need that. We need time to just, you know, sleep in, have like the lazy morning with, you know, coffee and a book and that type of thing. And we just found like, okay, if we're going to do this for the long term we need to make sure we strike this balance between like adventuring and also giving ourselves downtime from our work, because our work is demanding. And we found like, it was so nice to just unpack our bags in Mexico city. And we would just take carry on backpacks for our weekend trips. And we didn't have to haul Mm -hmm. our big bags around. And we had this like, oh, we work, kind of Monday to Friday, nine to five type life. But then, you know, on our lunch breaks and when we left the co-working space, I mean, we're in Mexico, like there's taco stands, there's people dancing on the street. We get to go like drink margaritas and eat guacamole. And on the weekends, it's like, oh, I'm not, you know, going on a hike or going to the mountains the way I would in Canada, which is also great. But it's like, oh, I'm going to Guanajuato or I'm going to the beach for the weekend and I think that there's you can still get that sense of adventure while having this like stability and I think on top of that too it's really fun to be able to like dive into a culture and a a place in a way that you normally wouldn't as a backpacker I mean I feel like some of my favorite places now are the places that I've spent time in Mexico City, Guadalajara, uh, Chiang Mai, Ubud, uh, Panama City you know the places where I've only spent three days, I feel like I just don't know to the same extent the way I know, you know, Mexico City or Panama City or Atlanta, like these places where I've really got to be and live. And so I think for us, we've really found like, we like those experiences of being able to be like, okay, we're locals here for the next six months oh, yeah. to
1: a year. Right.
0: And yeah. not having to worry, uh,
1: like not having to learn about or learn the
3: layout of a new place every night. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah, totally. You have this idea, I think, I started to interrupt, but like, I think when you start, I think when everyone starts, you have this idea of like, I love backpacking. The thing I don't like about backpacking or doing long term travel, kind of vagabonding, is I would see my bank account go dick, 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 dick down to zero or feeling purposeless. And But I'd so working and this, it's going to be perfection. It's going to be the amazing best of both worlds. And you learn it's something different, right? It's something new. Um, yeah. But if you're not disciplined and if you're not organized um, and you're not careful with the balance, you find you kind of lose the best of both sides. You're stressed when you're traveling, um, you're touristing, you're like, i thinking about work, or you're working, you're feeling like you're not doing a good job. So you need to create that structure for yourself because it is something where it's its own thing. It's unique. It's different. It's really awesome and really enjoyable, but it's not like, this freewheeling backpacking experience. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's that's the great point that I kind of want to nail home. Um, it's that the I- Instagram social media in general sort of puts this facade of of digital nomading and, and traveling vagabonding that it's just all you know. You're just exploring temples and there's no work behind the scenes. And that's that was part of the reason Elliot we got into this was because we wanted to understand what digital nomads did behind the scenes to actually fund their travels because social media just doesn't do it. You, you see wow. these Instagram posts and you're like. You know it's it's just not real all the time, and so that's something that's that's really important to nail home to people that want to do this is that it is still to do it as you just explained, Ryan it still is work you are going to have to mm-hmm. work and it's just not all fun it's unless you have all of the money unless you you know you, <laughs> yeah what does what yeah. what is, what is Rolf Potts call them um trust farians. trustafarian so you you guys heard that term yeah so unless you're a trustafarian (laughs) which is uh for those of you who may not know what that is it's a someone who travels for maybe a spiritual journey or something along those lines but uses the trust fund that their parents set aside for them and didn't necessarily yeah they're trust fund babies and so but it is so there is there is a lot of work that goes in into the the behind the scenes of this not only on actual physically working and making money, but logistically planning this out, understanding, you know, your route, how you're going to do this, how you're going to do it for a long period of time um, and and develop the sustainable practices that, that allow you to do it. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there's something really, I mean, I I don't have a trust fund, so maybe I don't know what the experience of being a Tristavarian's like, but (laughs) I feel like there's something really rewarding about, you know being able to live somewhere and putting yourself outside your comfort zone there and you know fund your travels and do cool things on the weekend but then also like build something that you feel excited about or be a part of something that you feel excited about i think that that's you know as humans i think that we really seek meaning and purpose and i think that's why a lot of people love to travel i mean i think we feel like oh i'm seeing this world through these new lenses and it's it's really incredible to experience that but when you can you know, do that and also have fulfillment in your career, I think that that's like, I mean, that's kind of like the best of both worlds, right? It really
0: is. That is the, that's like my American dream. That's what I think of when I think of the American
1: dream. Uh, Ryan, (laughs) when you were describing what life was like for you guys working and then playing in the new cities, it reminded me very, very much of a study abroad. And I don't know if either of you had an opportunity to study abroad at university. But it no, is. No, he didn't. I, I, we had a conversation with Rolf Potts about that, about kids almost having a mandatory study abroad, e- even in like a business degree or a medical degree, because I think it opens up so much opportunity and so much perspective that you're not going to get from just staying at the place. Cause
3: you, uh, yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah. Oh, sorry, continue. <laughs> no, no, that's all. I was just going to ramble a little bit more. <laughs> Oh yeah. I was going to say though, like, yeah, I think that's something I think back, like I, we both like thought a lot about kind of the effectiveness of university. And like, I just think, especially if you're taking on debt to do it in like a significant way, like you would in the States that it's not worth it at all. Um, unless you're like very set on certain specific professions. Um, but like so many people get like locked into these incredible amounts of debt that direct the next, you know, 20 years of their life, um, to do these things where like, I don't know if, as you like learn your own skills, like as you learned to podcast or whatever, the thought of like taking a course on podcasting from a university is like nonsensical. It's like, they would be teaching you stuff from like 10 years ago, it'd be so bad, but we accept it. Anyways, um, studying abroad, though, I think would make, make that experience so much more valuable. And we talked about so much. We spent four years at university, which was fun. We learned a lot of life skills. We made a lot of uh, questionable decisions during that time, which we learned from, um, but six months of backpacking, the maturity you get out of that is so far beyond the maturity that you get out of, I mean, it, I think I got more out of six months of traveling than four years of university in terms of like growing up, maturing, learning about how things work in the world. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe it's closer to the neighborhood, but it's like, how many more times is that like eight times, 10 times more uh, rapid learning from that?
0: Right, I, yeah. I mean, sitting in in university, sitting in a classroom, you're learning about the world from a book. Traveling for six months, you're learning about the world. You're getting firsthand experience. You're truly learning about the world. Now, I mean, as you mentioned already, Ryan, like certain certain professions require you to go to university and and get that degree. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would really strongly suggest anybody who maybe is unsure about what they want to do with their lives to learn about the world first before mm, you sit and yeah, do it yeah. behind a, behind a teacher and and with a book, go and do it. And and we just gave a ton of reasons and ways you can do it, man. Yeah. It, yeah it, I mean, yeah. if you
2: are coming out of high school and you don't have, you know, money to travel, I mean, one, you could get like a summer job, just, you know, working at Starbucks or Chick-fil-A or McDonald's, something that's, I mean, it's going to be minimum wage and it's not going to be. Amazon must- warehousing. You'll, yeah Yeah. like you'll learn a ton from that experience though and you could save a little bit of money especially if you're still living with your parents and then you know go out and see if you can find opportunities on the internet and go experience the world like oh Uh,
3: we're still here we're still here sorry Sorry. my uh my parents (laughs) just started calling me and it came through because i uh run our computers connected to the account That's weird. I'll keep talking. Um, (laughs) but yeah, I think you can get, you know, a lot
2: of life experience and a lot of, um, just a lot of learning. Like I remember for me, you know, I was 22, I guess, when we went on our first backpacking trip and we started in Iceland and then we went to the UK and Ireland and did that. And then we went to Spain and I mean, my Spanish was basically non-existent at that point. I'd taken a couple classes in high school, but I mean, you got to remember I'm from Western Canada nobody speaks Spanish over here. So it was very, very mediocre learning. And I remember like feeling very outside of my comfort zone, like very uncomfortable. And it was challenging to communicate with people. And that was one of my biggest growth experiences in my early twenties is just feeling like I don't, I don't know how to speak this language. I don't know how to communicate with people, but I have no option. I mean, I either go back to an English-speaking country or I figure it out. And I was like, I'm not going home, so I'm going to figure it out. So, I think that, you know, however you do travel, it's going to be beneficial and it's going to give you really great learning and I think, you know, for anyone listening who's maybe in university and wants to keep studying, definitely look into a study abroad program. We've lots yeah. of friends who've done that and I have never met a single person who studied abroad who was like, "I had a terrible time." Yes,
3: <laughs> that's or right. you know, crafting <laughs> your own, crafting your own study abroad program, right? Like I mean, you, that's can, a good idea. you can, you like a lot of these study abroad programs charge you like outrageous amounts of money. Like you pay a semester of tuition, um, which like like the idea of paying you know however many thousands of dollars it is for a semester of tuition. A lot of times you could just take that money. Uh, take six months, pay rent wherever you are, maybe take courses at a local university. Like you can sign up at a um, a local university to take some courses if you feel like it and, and learn in, in that way. And um, mm-hmm. you can do a lot of things yourself um, that don't require you to you know, take on a ton of debt or pay someone for something that isn't as valuable. Yeah,
0: right. Yeah, <laughs> why, why would you at this point? I, I mean, something that I've thought of when it comes to university and understanding um, you know, deciding whether or not you should go, like for my daughter, for example, um, not I, I, I want her to go, but because I think I think it is truly valuable, and in the United States, even if you don't use it, having that document is incredibly important. Um, it just is; it's the way our country is just kind of made, and and you really need it to get certain jobs. But it's not about just go because you have to go, like I think it was traditionally. I think it's about understanding your passion and developing your passion. And, you know, if you want to be an MBA star, um, yeah, maybe an MBA star is not the thing, but let's just let's just kind of go with it. If you want to be an MBA star and you want to go in that direction, you need to eventually come to a point where it's like, you know, am I good enough? Um, and if you are real with yourself and you might not be good enough, it's like, okay, well, how else do I explore my passion? And that might be by going to university for business to become an MBA manager you want to you want to start a a coaching program or you want to open an basketball retail store and that's how that's how I think you should go about university you don't just go to go but you go to develop you go with your passion in mind regardless of what it is I don't know I feel like I'm going off of a tangent here but to tie it back in um, traveling can help you develop your passion I guess is ultimately what I was trying to get at and and going on this little six-month stint or whatever it is that's gap year And then bringing that information and that knowledge back with you can help direct what you do with your time at university um, if you eventually do decide to go that route. Yeah, 100%. That's kind of like a full (laughs) Yeah, no, 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 you you connected that that well. No, 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 you brought
2: it back well. I think like one of the things we really found, especially with our second trip, which we were intentional about, you know, we'd quit these jobs that we didn't love and we were kind of looking at... Okay, like, what do we want to do for the rest of our lives? Like, what is really like the purpose and meaning of life, and what's going to bring us purpose personally? And I think that being able to get to a place where you kind of feel bored is really important. You know, like we had been working in this environment where you know we were both required to be at work at eight eight thirty, and we had to be in the office at that time. We had to work to certain times, and. You know, that's a lot of what we go through in life as humans, you know, especially if we go to school, we go to university, we go into work. And there's something about like waking up in a new place where you're kind of uncomfortable and having this total autonomy over your own life. And I feel like it's in those moments where you're like, what do I want to do today? How do I want to spend my morning? How am I going to spend my afternoon? Where do I want to sleep tomorrow? That you kind of start to get to know really who you are and what you love to do. And I think for us, that was like really invaluable time and experience that we gave ourselves because it kind of allowed us to connect to this idea that what we'd been doing hadn't been working and hadn't been serving us. And okay, what's our next move? We're not really sure, but let's like take a step towards that. Let's get jobs that pay our bills that are going to be exciting and give us skills. And then figure out what our next thing is and we're like okay we want to blend this like travel and work. Okay, how do we want to do that? What are we excited about? So I think that, you know, in many ways travel can be, you know, the catalyst to kind of figuring out what you're really excited about while giving you these really great life experiences.
0: Yeah.
3: Very yeah. much agree. Can,
0: can we take a moment to, well, I'm going to give you time to plug your podcast, but to discuss how polar opposites the conversations were when I was on your podcast. Uh <laughs> Compared to this conversation, it's it's pretty funny, and that just that that sheds light on the differences um, on the trajectories that we've taken. I never did the gap year. I went to university or college here, as we call it in the United States. Yeah. Um. And and then uh, got a job, and I've been working full time since um since my early twenties. And so I've developed a career over the past decade, and but my mm-hmm. travel is so limited, so limited. And I talk to people like yourselves who have done it for so long. And, and, you know, not to say that I regret anything I've done, but man, I, I really wish I got those experiences earlier because who knows, who knows where I would have been today. But I just, and anyway, I just find, I find it really funny how different these conversations were because uh, if you're listening to this, I was on the world wanderers podcast and I went over how to plan a trip in a very detailed fashion um, mm-hmm. because of having limited time to travel
3: Mm -hmm. You're a product of your situation
0: due to time constraints associated with having a mortgage or being married and having a family and all that stuff, you know, early on. Yeah. Go ahead, Ryan. Yeah. Yeah,
3: And something, something we talked about was this idea of like on our conversation was this idea of people, there's a lot of people who are like kind of religious about travel. Like you have to do it this certain way, but I travel. And I think a life well lived in general is about recognizing kind of where you're at making decisions and kind of like leaning into your life circumstances and so like there's nothing wrong with not being a nomad of course like for us our personality types our interests our goals and our vision um this is something that like brings us alive when we learned like working in the same city uh going to the same office every single day that repetitive thing it was like spiritually like we were like the light, the fire Raining. in our soul was like, was like running out of fuel. Right. And so I think the thing that's wrong in life is to live a life that you're not committed to, that you don't believe in. Right. So if you're like going or doing know my life, you're like, Hey, I'm not happy. Like I feel I'm seeing things and I don't really care. Like, I don't care about this church. I don't care about this pagoda. Um, maybe, you know, maybe you're someone who's more, your values are more in line with, family with stability right. with security and it's like great to be at home and then have small doses and the right. vice versa like if you're at home you, you hate your job you're kind of depressed you find like you're making good money but you're not saving any of that money um, maybe you need some more adventure in your life maybe you're living for status and for money and you're not living for you know your own values so it's about kind of tuning into what you really care about and leaning into that not necessarily about any one style of life right yeah oh, for yeah.
2: sure and I think Oh, I was just going to add too, like, Bob, I think that one of the things I really loved about our conversation is that there are a lot of people who are working full-time right now. And, you know, especially in the U S there's not a ton of vacation time and, you know, some people are doing it because that's what they love to do. And that's amazing. Like we're not here to shit on people who have full-time jobs. Like if you love your full-time job, that's amazing. Like I'm stoked for that. Um, but if you want, you know, more adventure and to use your Vacation time. I mean, what you're providing people with by helping them plan a great itinerary means they can experience in a, the world in a way that, you know, really allows them to take advantage of that time. And we're, we're like big proponents about like travel in whatever way that feels good for you. Like the way that we travel is not the be all end all. You know, everyone is different, everyone has different personalities, different likes. And I think that that's amazing. I think it's like tuning into that and figuring out what you want to do. If you want to go to the middle of nowhere and spend, the rest of your life there like yeah go for it if you like going to cities and doing everything that's in the guidebook yeah do that if you want to go to you know london and only drink starbucks and not try any other coffee <laughs> places I'm, I'm cool with that like i think it's just like finding a way that you can kind of experience other places in a way that makes you feel excited
0: right yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Elliot, you've brought this up before. The reason that you don't think you would be fit for the digital nomad lifestyle is because you really value a sense of community, right? You
3: mm-hmm.
0: you want to I be do home.
1: I do value a sense of community, but I feel uh, the conversation that Amanda and I had, not not you, Amanda. My Amanda.
2: <laughs> is your wife's name Amanda? Yes. <laughs> I was like, "What that, conversation did we have?" <laughs>
1: is that I? I like. I really like slow travel. So the study abroad that I did in Bonn, Germany, made me feel that sense of community, like understanding the place, understanding the locals, and that is how I would prefer to travel. And your points that we've all kind of been making, and that Rolf. Potts made in his vagabonding book is that any way you travel is your philosophy and no way you travel is a higher moral ground than anyone else's.
2: Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, like, you know, community is something that is challenging when you don't live in one place. It's something we were actually just talking about this yesterday. I mean, you know, we've called Canmore home since home since 2014, but realistically since the fall of 2015, mm-hmm. I mean, we've probably only spent a year in total here in the last five years. I mean, that's not enough to really be like, have your day-to-day group of friends and the people that call you every weekend to do things. And, you know, there's certainly trade-offs with every lifestyle you choose. And I think I know lots of people who want to have a house and not travel with a backpack and, you know, just go away for periods of time and come home and have their friends and their family nearby. And I think that that's, that's great. You know, I think it's, Good to acknowledge that about yourself and know and then figure out if you still have this craving for travel, which I assume people listening do figure out how you can kind of you know fit it in and one other thing i'll say just to the digital nomad side of things we have um quite a quite a few friends in the u s from from living there who have started kind of working and traveling but within their own country so that's another option too like if you feel uncomfortable by the idea of going somewhere else or you want to start By just exploring where you're from. I think that that's really cool too, especially US, Canada, very, very large geographical countries, tons of cities to explore, tons of landscapes to experience. Um, We have a friend who works remotely who lives just outside of Pittsburgh right now, and she spent, you know, prior to the pandemic, a number of months just living in different cities to see if she can figure out another city that kind of really serves her for, for settling down and building her community. And right now, most of her community is online, so she's you know tried out denver and austin and spent time in atlanta and that can be a fun way to you know experience different places while kind of having this like nomadic experience so i think that may be the next
1: two to three years of traveling in in this country in the u.s
2: yeah i mean right now we have no idea (laughs) if our borders are ever going to open up again and stuff like that so i mean that's something we've thought about once it's Once it's okay for us to travel provincially, there's many places that we haven't been to in Canada and we could certainly do, you know, road trips or go try out a different city here, live there for a couple months, just explore a little bit more. So there's always, there's always ways that you can get adventure into your life. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we are coming to the end and before we get to our rapid fire questions, I would like to ask you guys to share your podcast again, and anything else that you'd like to share via social media or websites.
2: Yeah, for sure. Thanks for the opportunity to share. Uh, you can find pretty much everything that we have going on for the World Wanders at theworldwanders.com. You can also find the World Wanders on any place that you get your podcast. So wherever you have downloaded this episode from, just search the World Wanders, and you'll find us. Apple, Spotify. Google Play, Stitcher, all that good stuff. Um, If you are interested in learning more about becoming a nomad, like Ryan said early on, we have uh, like an actual podcast series on digital nomad life. It's for our Patreon community and it's at patreon.com forward slash the world wanders. And we're always available for, you know, questions, anything like that. So you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, send us a DM. It's the world wanders podcast.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Your, your website, everything. You've been doing it for bit of time now and there's so much information there so i I highly recommend people check it out yeah
3: thanks
1: all right so so the way we've been doing this rapid fire questions with two guests is we will ask i will always ask amanda and bob will always ask ryan okay okay uh But, but but we'll alternate so i'll ask number one to Amanda, and then Bob will ask number two to Ryan, but you'll both answer. Does that make sense?
2: Okay. Yeah, yeah. so
0: Elliot, Elliot will ask number one. Amanda, you answer first. Ryan, you answer second. And then we oh. flip-flop. So then so we will answer the question, both questions. Yes. yes. This is okay. this is something... Well, there's 12. Is, there's 12 questions. Okay. So we'll we, be quick. We'll be quick. By yes. the way, we do rapid-fire questions.
2: <laughs> no, we love this. It's great. Uh, so
1: whatever comes to your mind first. All right. What is the first word that comes to your mind when you
3: hear the word travel? Adventure. Uh, I just had tacos come into my mind. All right. (laughs) That works.
0: So what home comfort do you miss the most while traveling?
3: Um, So there's a drink. It's like a Canadian version of a Bloody Mary. It's called a Caesar. We use uh, clemato juice and have a few small differences. Um, That's like one of the things. It's kind of weird, but when we come home, like... We're diving into like a bunch of Caesars for a while. (laughs) I'm going to have to try
2: that. Yeah, I would second that one as well. I always miss Caesars when I leave. And also, this is a kind of weird one, but I really love taking baths. And there's a lot of countries in the world where it's not normal to have a bathtub. And so our apartment in Panama, our apartment in Mexico, our apartment in Guadalajara didn't have a bathtub. And I really miss bathing. It's
1: a good one. All right. All right, Amanda, if you could swim in any liquid, what would it be?
2: Oh, wow. That is an interesting question. I would love to like dive into a bowl of Jello. All
0: right.
3: Ooh. Um, so I, lo- or I love swimming in really cold water. Like just that feeling is like so invigorating and it makes me feel so alive. So actually later today, we're going to go for a hike and then jump into one of the lakes near here. But in the spirit of the question being something weird, the- one of the things that came to my mind was eggnog. I'm a big eggnog eggnog fan. I feel like that would be an (laughs) interesting experience. (laughs) Uh, Cold. All right. cool eggnog. Eggnog. I'll be curious to see if we ever get that answer again. (laughs) I mean, lukewarm. Lukewarm, that that would be like a bacteria cesspool. So we need a bit of refrigeration going on. Also, uh, definitely no one swam there before. (laughs) (laughs) Ryan, pick two animals that you want to see fight. Ooh. um, That's a hard question. I'm going to go with a hippopotamus and a rhinoceros. Mm. Oh, okay. two okay. tanks. Yeah,
2: yeah. I was going to say a hippo and a lion.
3: <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right, Amanda, would you I think rather- like it's always interesting watching hippos. I don't know if you guys have been in this rabbit hole. They're so vicious. You can find so videos vicious. on uh, YouTube of them just messing people up. Oh, and they're yeah. so like, unsuspecting. It's just like, oh, look at this friendly hippo. They're <laughs> so round.
0: They're the most yeah. dangerous animal in Africa, I believe. Yeah. They kill yeah. more people than any other animal. Yeah. I mean, with yeah, nine-inch,
1: like one-inch diameter teeth, it'll, yeah. it's like getting punched with a bullet.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag National Geographic. Out. <laughs> All
1: right, Amanda. Would you rather drink wine or coffee for the rest of your life?
2: Oh, that's hard. Wine.
0: All right.
3: All I'm right. going coffee. All right, right, Ryan, say hello in your favorite language. Hola.
2: Hola.
1: (laughs) Amanda, if you can travel with anyone in the world, living or dead, who would it be? Not Ryan.
2: Oh, damn it. I was like, Ryan, obviously. (laughs) Um, Living or dead. Ooh, this is really hard. Um. I feel like it'd be fun to travel with Dumbledore. He's not living or dead. He's just fake, but I think he would be a cool travel partner.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Oof. Um, this is a really hard question. This is uh, the
2: hardest one so far.
3: There's a lot of people to go through. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say one thing that's coming to my mind. If I thought about this longer, I might have a different answer would be, uh, um, Arthur Conan Doyle the author of Sherlock Holmes I feel like he'd be oh. like a really interesting dude he'd have some cool information um, yeah that's be a good answer in, like his brain and experiencing things with him yeah um,
2: that's a better answer yeah. than mine
3: <laughs> no <laughs> one said Anthony Bourdain yet which I find interesting I'm waiting for
0: that one the answer
3: um, is that yours? I feel like going for like a weekend with Anthony Bourdain would be fun fine. but like going <laughs> for an extended period of time I just don't feel like I could keep up well I mean obviously RIP but like it would be hard Yes,
0: right, right, right. Uh all right. Um Ryan, uh what is one item remaining on your bucket list?
3: Ooh, um I really want to take a train from Europe to Asia so you can like take a train from Hong Kong through China to Russia and then take the Trans-Siberian to Europe and yeah. go all the way to London. I feel like that would be an amazing mm-hmm. experience.
2: Mm-hmm. Our,
1: our 65th episode is a girl who traveled from China on the Trans-Mongolian Railway to
0: Moscow. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, that's cool. I'll yeah. we'll have to listen yeah. to that one. I did remember awesome. the number episode, dude. You're good. Yeah,
2: that's really impressive. Uh,
1: because I was going through some YouTube videos yesterday.
2: <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, that one's definitely on my bucket list as well. And I would also say, high on my bucket list is a, an African safari of some sort. I don't know where or what, what park, but I'd really like to do that. All
1: right. Amanda, who is your biggest celebrity crush?
2: Ooh, <laughs> um, Kit Kit Harrington, <laughs>
3: nice, nice, Jon
0: Snow, yeah, Jon Snow fan, yeah,
3: yeah. Who is it? Uh, I feel like Natalie Portman has always had like a place in my heart, <laughs> a soft spot. Yeah, yeah,
0: I mean Star Wars, basically. yeah.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Number ten, Bob. was oh, it? It's me. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, um, Ryan. If you were stuck in one city for the rest of your life, which city would you
3: choose? Oh, that's such a hard question. I feel like there'd be so many other things I would want to know before making this decision. But it kind of scares me to think about being there for the rest of my life. This is a place that I like in shorter doses, but I'm going with Mexico City. Um, so I think people who have been there are like in love with Mexico City and people who haven't are like Mexico City. Um, but it's such an amazing place that's so close to, to where we are that has so much to offer.
2: I was I was worried about your answer. I was like, do we get to live together for the rest of our lives? And I was gonna go Mexico City too.
3: Oh, <laughs> that's good. Nice, that's good.
1: Nice. All right. Number eleven, second to last question. Amanda, if you owned a yacht, what would you name it?
2: Ooh, so I'm big on naming things that don't have like like that aren't personified. My car has the name and stuff. I feel like I would really need to like experience the yacht to fully know. But I feel like Bertha is coming to mind. I feel like it's having like a big, big, big Bertha would be great.
3: <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like people yacht people uh, often name yachts things that are like come across as just so douchey. Uh, like yes. big Bertha. No, no, no. Like <laughs> I don't know. Like Freedom or like Spirit of the Sea or you know right. like stuff like that. It's like. Um, I feel like giving it a person's name could be cool. Maybe like Frank. I like Frank. (laughs) I like it. Just Frank.
0: Frank (laughs) Frank (laughs) and (laughs) Bertha. Okay. Okay. Before I ask the uh, last question, do you guys know the story of Boaty McBoatface? Yeah, no, no, we have not had a
1: Yachty McYachtface answer yet. No,
0: there was an internet poll where a boat company was asking people for help naming their boat. And the poll came back and the most answered Name was Bodie
3: McBoatface, and the company used oh to name it that. <laughs> <That's> so amazing. <laughs> yep. And uh, we're the right.
2: weirdest species. It was actually
3: one, really a, one funny story related. There's a place, so new where I grew up, there's a city called Kelowna, and there's a city across from Kelowna that wasn't, didn't have like an official name. Some people called it West Kelowna, some people called it West Bank, some people called the West Side. And so then they were like, okay, like we need to like officialize, we're becoming our own municipality, we need to create a name. And so they did like a poll to get. To the referendum stage and i think i can't remember the name it was like shit town or poop town or poopville <laughs> collected enough signatures to be included on the ballot but then they refused to put it on wow people That's man great. all right
0: all right, uh, all right so Bob, last, answer ask, i mean yeah, question. Last, last question I don't know, ask it who is your favorite traveler's blueprint podcast
3: host
2: oh my god i can't answer that <laughs> You
3: guys are both great. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna abstain from.
1: Okay, all right, that all right, that's fine. I'm surprised you guys didn't pick Bob though, since he came on yours.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, we we like we enjoy making our guests feel awkward right before they go. So yeah. We, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We learned a ton today. I learned a ton. Elliot, you? Oh my god, so much. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we really appreciate your time and thank you. Yeah, thanks thanks for having us. Yeah,
2: thanks so much for having us. This conversation was awesome.
1: I think this is the first time I realized how feasible living in another city is with the combination of talking to Amanda and Ryan about their time living in Mexico City and working for American companies still. And now knowing that working from home is completely feasible after, I mean, if it's a silver lining to coronavirus, it's that I have learned that I can work from home with the exception of a few times going into the office or having in-person meetings, but it's really changed my perspective on realistically living abroad.
0: Yeah, I agree with you because before COVID-19, not that you couldn't work for an American company and live in another country, it just seemed less likely, less common. So if you were to live in Oaxaca, Mexico, or oh, uh, you know somewhere man. somewhere like that, you would assume that you'd have to find a job in Oaxaca to maintain your your finances to live there but now if you can work digitally and pull an american salary while living in oaxaca you're going to have a good time yeah it's going to be a lot of fun and that's only, that,
1: yeah it, with the the wi-fi situation too like i it, i think it was the this is the first time i realized that you know the wi-fi and internet in the u.s isn't really the greatest in the world
0: right like, isn't like, the greatest somewhere in europe like eastern like, europe i
1: think it's the Czech, Czech
0: Republic, is right? It, is it? Yeah, it was somewhere. I remember talking about that with somebody at some point. It might have I been a Yeah, I think it was in this conversation. I think it was. You're right. It was. It was Ryan. But yeah, so, it was.
1: It's just so crazy
0: to think about. Yeah, it is, and and it's. Yeah, it, I my my wife won't do it. I've already tried. Believe me, I'd be <laughs> gone. I w- I would love to live in Costa Rica, and maybe one day it'll happen. or it'll become a reality. But right now we're settled down. Yeah, but. Yeah, they just I know enjoy you. where you're at. Yeah, working on it. Um, I know you are more likely to be mobile, right? You're kind of already throwing around the idea of uh, you said Spain at some point
1: and Yeah, we've we've tossed around the idea for a while. But I mean, obviously, I think we're going to stay in the States until our kids graduate from college. Or...
0: Oh, you're here for a while.
1: Then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram or shoot us a message at thetravelersblueprint at gmail.com if you have any questions, suggestions on guests. Uh, follow us on all of our social media. Uh, pr- please, if you know what? If you give us a rating, there is a high probability we will read it on the show in one of our intros or outros. And we've done that. We haven't had any ratings recently, and we really miss getting your feedback. So please, please do that. It takes less than a minute. Uh, And you know what? We really, really appreciate your time listening. We appreciate that you're fans of the show. It's been a long, not a long two years. It's actually been a very short two years doing this show, and it's been really fun. So thank you.